Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 119 of Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter, Threads, and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at MarkHenryJr. Underscore. Mark, how are you doing today? I could not be doing better right now, Shane. As we said last week, these shows are a lot better when they come after Philly's wins for me. Uh, as opposed to Philly's losses, especially when we're talking about the NFC South. If we, if we were talking about the NFC South after a Philly's loss, I'd be like, they're all going five and 12. That's the end of the podcast. See you later. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad we get happy Mark tonight because we are talking about the NFC South. <laughs> we have previewed each AFC division over the last two weeks. If you've missed those episodes, you can go check those out. Today, we are going to turn our attention to the NFC. We're going to preview the NFC South and the NFC West. At least the West is interesting. At least the West is interesting. I mean, you could argue that the South is really interesting in terms of closeness, just maybe not relevancy for a Super Bowl run. But it's like a four car. It's like a four car pileup. It's interesting, but like it's it's like, (laughs) man, it it's it's things. I can't wait for last week. Your iceberg metaphor was like my favorite thing you've ever done on Chalk Talk. If you do some <laughs> extended metaphor about a four car pileup for the NFC South, I'm definitely clipping it and putting it on Twitter. Bryce Young gets out in his clown car. Like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are going to start off with the NFC South. We're going to talk about these teams in the order they finished in their division last year. Only one game separated all four of these teams. Uh, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finished 8-9, and nine, made the playoffs with a losing record before losing 31-14 to 14 to the Dallas Cowboys in the wild card round. Uh, this offseason, obviously, they lose Tom Brady to retirement. They also lost wide receiver Julio Jones. They lost Akeem Hicks. They lost cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting. As for additions, they didn't have a lot in the way of additions. They did get Baker Mayfield, uh, so and he has been announced to be the starter. And then in the draft, they added Kalijah Kansi, interior defensive lineman, and offensive guard Cody Mock. So the big questions for this team heading into the season. We'll start with Baker Mayfield. He was named the starter, but he has struggled. Uh, really over the course of his entire career, he had that one year that he was pretty good with the Browns, but he went 2-8 and eight as a starter across two teams last season before landing with his third team in the last two calendar years uh, in the Buccaneers. They also have offensive line turmoil. They're moving Tristan Wirfs from right tackle to left tackle. And Tristan Wirfs was a perennial all-pro at right tackle. So he's got to make that move. Uh, Cody Mock is going to be slotted in as an offensive guard right away. A position, you know, a lot of people, myself included, said that he was not necessarily pro-ready. He had a lot of tools, but he might he could uh, be benefited from a little bit of time to sit and learn. And he's not going to have that. And then you've got Ryan Jensen coming back at center after missing all of last season with an injury. So some big questions for the Buccaneers on the offensive line with a quarterback that does not handle pressure well in Baker Mayfield. Uh, When it comes to their strength of schedule, they ranked 17th easiest, so about average in terms of strength of schedule. And their over-under is six and a half. Mark, are you taking that over-under? How do you think this team is going to go? Where do you think they place in their division? Last. I think they come in last. I'm not that confident in it just because how could you be that confident that anyone comes in last in this division? Because there's three other options. Um, but I, I just it's hard for me to get past 
you know, I don't like to simplify football down to quarterback head coach. Like I think a lot of podcasts do quite often um, because they're the easiest things to talk about. But when it comes down to it, Todd Bowles, Baker Mayfield. It's 32nd out of 32, right? In the, no, Arizona. Never mind. It, it, I guess because you have Gannon and then whatever, like half of a depleted Kyler Murray and then half Colt McCoy. I, that's a close That's a close race uh, of what's worse. But Baker and Bowles is, I, I mean, it's a bottom three duo in, in the NFL when it comes to quarterback and coach. There is talent throughout the roster. There's some on defense. Godwin and Evans are good at receiver. K. Dotton actually had like a low, you know, under the radar, pretty good season last year as a rookie. Rashad White has the fantasy guys excited at running back. The O-line's concerning for sure. I mean, it was concerning last year. um, And it's more concerning now when you don't have a guy who gets rid of the ball right away like Tom Brady did. Um, So, yeah, I, I think that, Baker holds onto the ball a lot, and that doesn't seem to be a good match for what Tampa's going to have at, at, on the O-line. So uh, I, I think they win five games. It's not an under I would take just because I don't – you know, it, it's hard to take an under that low in this division. Yeah, uh, I also have them under six and a half. I feel a little more confident about it than you do. I also have them finishing last in the division. There is no bigger downgrade any team has had this year, this offseason, than going from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. Uh, And I do think with the offensive line and Baker's tendency to hold the ball and to try to get out of structure because he doesn't play well from the pocket. like It just doesn't bode well for the Buccaneers, I don't think. We also know they're going to run into a brick wall, whether it works or not, that they're so devoted to the running game. and They just don't have the horses up front for that to work. So I think this is going to be a really bad football team. So here's my only, if you're a Bucks fan and you want to be positive or if you're out there and you want to be, you know, high on the Bucks. And so here's one thing I'll say, actually, from a gambling side of things. Bucks under six and a half is by a wide margin the, the most highly bet under um, in, the, in the NFL win total markets this year in Vegas. That would tell you generally that the smart money is on the over. If all if so many people are so sure that it's the under and Vegas isn't moving it, they're keeping it at that six and a half number. They haven't moved it down to five and a half. It would tell you that Vegas knows a thing or two and that Vegas knows that's going to be close. And Vegas likes them to probably go over that total if they're going to take such a beating on a loss. So that's a gambling thing. But if you want to be positive, the saving grace is maybe Tom Brady was bad last year. Like, is that a possibility? Is it a possibility that we're giving the credit to them for the drop off from Brady to Baker, but maybe Tom Brady was actually bad. And even the average games that we saw from him were because he had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. There's a chance that that's the case. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but there's a chance just throwing it out there. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the team that technically finished second, although two, three, and four all had the same record. In the Carolina Panthers, who went seven and ten. In the offseason, they lost Matt Ioannidis, Deontay Foreman, and DJ Moore. Uh, They spent a lot of money in free agency, though. They got safety Von Bell, wide receivers DJ Shark and Adam Thielen, running back Miles Sanders, tight end Hayden Hurst. And then in the draft, they got quarterback Bryce Young, and wide receiver Jonathan Mingo. And so 
two big questions for the Panthers. First is who's going to replace DJ Moore? Uh, the Panthers threw a lot of darts at the wide receiver board this offseason with Adam Thielen, DJ Shark, Jonathan Mingo. They also have Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, they have a new quarterback and coach combo. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the wide receiver room shakes out, but they've definitely tried to address it. We'll see if they addressed it enough. And then on the defensive side of the ball, can J.C. Horn stay healthy? J.C. Horn has established himself as a star cornerback when he's on the field. But the best ability is availability, and Horn has missed 17 games in his first two seasons. He also missed most of OTAs and training camp with a foot injury. So J.C. Horn needs to stay healthy for this defense. Um, when you look at strength of schedule, they have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, their over-under is set at 7.5. Mark, how do you feel about that over-under and about this team in general? I love this team um, in terms of their betting markets. I love the over at seven and a half. My favorite bet is them to win their division there. Um, I, I have the number right in front of me, but I lost it. Um, part of my take, which is a fun podcast um, out there that everyone should be listening to. It's not, I mean, they don't need my, my, my plug. They're the biggest sports podcast in the world. Um, but uh, they have termed a bunch of different names for their, uh, their quarterback allegiances. C.J. Stroud is now. If you're a C.J. Stroud fan, you're you're a member of the Stroud Boys. If you're if you're a Bryce Young fan, you're a member of Bryces. Obviously, Tua is Tua non. Um, so I, I would just like to officially declare on this podcast that I am in fact a, a member of Bryces. I'm a card carrying member of Bryces, um, and, and I think that the, you said that there's not a team that's going to get as big of a downgrade from Brady to Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying this, but there's a chance besides the Jets that Carolina might have the biggest upgraded quarterback if Bryce Young finds himself this season. I know it hasn't been exactly what people have wanted in the preseason. I don't put any stock in the preseason at all. Um, so I think Bryce Young could come out and really impress people, but it all comes down to the wide receiver. room. Like you said, it all comes down to the wide receiver room. I think you know, I'm a DJ Chark guy, so I'm always going to think he can at least be a starting X receiver on your team. Adam Thielen, is he cooked? Maybe, but I'm fine taking the chance at a low at a low cost. Jonathan Mingo wasn't a guy we liked in the draft, but hey, they clearly did. They spent a high second round pick on him. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe he's a stud. He is at least fast. And then you have Terrace Marshall Jr. So you do have four options. You have Tommy Tremble at tight end. Um, you have Miles Sanders and Chubba Hubbard at running back. You have a couple bookend guys on the offensive line. And the reason that I'm so confident in Carolina has nothing to do with Bryce Young. It has nothing to do with the offense. It doesn't even have anything to do with the fact that you're going from Matt Rule, an absolute buffoon, and a guy who should have never been coaching at the NFL level, to Frank Reich. And do I think Frank Reich's the best coach ever? No, but I think he's competent, and I think he's a good play caller. And I think he'll keep the train on the tracks. Like, I don't think he's a guy who's ever going to win much less than six, seven games. Um, or eight. So I just think that the, the floor is maybe seven wins here. They went seven and 10 last year with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield playing quarterback and Matt Rule coaching half the year. And then uh, I can't remember the interim coach off the top of my head. Um, Wilkes, wasn't it? Steve Wilkes. Yeah, Steve Wilkes was the interim coach. He did a fine job, but they went seven and 10 in that stretch. Um, so, so I, I think they're going to be better this year, but the main reason, like I said, 
is the defense. They have a ton of talent on that defense, a ton of talent in the secondary, a ton of talent up front on the D-line. And the biggest reason that I'm high on the defense is Giro Evero, who I know that you also are very, very high on. Denver Broncos had an elite, elite defense last year. I'm pretty sure they would have won 14 games if they would have scored 17 points in every game that they played, which is how good their defense was last year. And you look at the roster, the Broncos' defensive depth chart is not exactly awe-inspiring, but... They had a Giro Evero, who's now in Carolina. I think Carolina's going to have a top five defense in the NFL this year. Yeah, there's a lot of weapons on that defense, especially if J.C. Horn stays healthy. Uh, I feel like they'll go over that seven and a half. This isn't one that I would want to bet. Um, I did have them finishing in second place in the division, though. So I have them behind one other team that we'll get to momentarily. So let's go on to the New Orleans Saints. I don't know how I just said New Orleans. That sounded weird, but New Orleans, uh, down in New Orleans, Saints. They went <laughs> seven and ten as well last year. Uh, they lost a lot of guys in the spine of their defense: Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, because they're perpetually in cap difficulties. Uh, <laughs> but they went out this offseason and they added Derek Carr, uh, they added Foster Moreau, Jamal Williams, Jarvis Landry, and then in the draft. Uh, they addressed that front seven with selections of Brian Bercy and Isaiah Foskey. And they also got Kendry Miller, A.T. Perry in the later rounds. The big questions for the Saints is Alvin Kamara is suspended for the first three games of the year. So is Kendry Miller going to be able to step in? Jamal Williams, who fills that load? Um, but also, is Michael Thomas finally going to make an impact? In 2019, he had 1,725 yards. Since then, in the last three years, he's played a total of 10 games. I don't think you can count on him. They're going to be counting a lot on Chris Olave, but Michael Thomas is still on this roster, eating up considerable cap space. It would be nice if he could play football games. And then will Derek Carr bounce back? I mean, while Carr was not the biggest issue in Las Vegas last year, shout out to uh, Josh McDaniels, he did have the worst year of his career, and he's not exactly stepping into the best situation. So, a lot of moving pieces here for the Saints. They do have the luxury of the easiest schedule in the NFL. Their over-under is set at nine and a half. Uh, Mark, how do you feel about that? I cannot believe, Shane, that we are going to have another opportunity to make money on fading the Saints again. Vegas and the football community just keeps falling for the Saints, but I mean, this is the third straight year that they're morbidly overrated going into the year. I mean, last year was the worst I've ever seen, but this year is insane. Nine and a half is an insane number. This team's not good. Derek Carr is not even really much of an upgrade, in my opinion. You look at what they got in terms of EPA and in terms of the underlying numbers last year. Their offense was middle of the pack. Like their quarterback play was middle of the pack. Are we confident that Derek Carr is going to be an above-average quarterback? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not confident in that. If anything, I'm extremely confident he'll be exactly average because that's what Derek Carr is. And last year, I think he was below average. So I, I just, I don't think we've seen Derek Carr be aggressively above average in three years. And I don't think this is some amazing situation that he's going to step into like it's San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, and he's just going to transform the situation regardless of being average. I think they're a really average team. I have them winning seven games. I don't know why they're better than they were last year. 
especially with Alvin Kamara suspended for three games to start the year. Chris Olave could become a superstar, and, and that really could help. I, I'm absurdly high on Olave. I think he's one of the 15 best receivers in football. Uh, Michael Thomas, who? Is that a person at this point? Like, I'm not factoring Michael Thomas into my into my evaluation of this team. I, I mean, he, he, it's just you can't. You can't count on that guy either way. So um, I, I view this team as a seven-win team. I think they have a five-win floor and a nine-win ceiling. I have no way. I see no way they're going over that nine-and-a-half number. And I, and that's in a bad division. I, I still don't see it. Yeah, I'm with you. I will smash this under nine-and-a-half wins. I, I think they're the third-best team in the division, a third-best team in a bad division. And I don't care that they have the easiest schedule. I can't see the Saints getting to ten wins. I just don't even see how that's possible. I can't fathom the Saints winning 10 games. So sorry, Saints fans. Uh, not that there's any Saints fans following me. They're still pretty upset that that pick turned out to be as good as I said it would be last year. But uh, well, we I thought it might be the Saints. We thought it might be even a little bit better than, than it turned out. Um, and it would have been if we would have taken care of business in our own field. Unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I, I can't, I, I totally can't understand this at all. It's insane. I will say I have Saints fans that follow me. And when I've even still like this year, I was calling in to a show pick central that I call my picks into. And we were, we were talking about NFL futures and he's like, I swore the next one you were going to say was going to be Saints under. And I was like, it actually was like, it was like the next one that was listed was going to be Saints under. Um, but yeah. And it's, he was like, you, you just hate the Saints, man. And I'm like, no, they just, they just keep proving me right. Like <laughs> they keep proving me right by fading them. And I don't know why I'd stop now. Dennis Allen, the illustrious Dennis Allen. What's his, what's his head coach record, Shane? I think that might be an important thing to add. I know you don't believe in QB wins, but HC wins might be a little different. Yeah. He is 15 and 38 as a head coach. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> what's that winning percentage? What? <laughs> what? He has a, uh, he has won 28.3% of his games as a head coach. Oh, my God. Four, is... and t- four and 12 back-to-back years, 2012, 2013 in Oakland. Started 0-4 in 2014 and was fired. Uh, then last year, 7-10 and 10 for the Saints. That is a four-and-a-half win pace over a full season. <laughs> he's, a, yeah. he's just your 4-13, and 5-12 and 12 coach, Dennis Allen. All right, well, let's we've, we've made fun of the Saints enough. Let's turn the page to the final team in the division who finished last place last year, technically by virtue of tiebreakers. It's the Atlanta Falcons, who also went 7-10, and 10, lost virtually no one this offseason. Alameda Zacchaeus is the only relevant name. Oh, he looks great, right? Yeah, yeah. They, too, made a lot of improvements on their team. Uh, they got Jesse Bates, the other Cincinnati Bengals safety. Uh, they got offensive tackle Caleb McGarry. They got defensive lineman David Onyemata, Lorenzo Carter, Caden Ellis, Bud Dupree, Taylor Heineke, uh, and Jeffrey Okuda. They also added Bijan Robinson and Matthew Bergeron in the draft. So for me, the big question for the Falcons, can Desmond Ritter provide enough at quarterback? Marcus Mariota was a liability last year. You only got four games with Ritter. He went two and two. He started to look better down the stretch, but that was a low bar because he started really bad. Uh, can he get the ball to Kyle Pitts and Drake London? And then the other question is, will the offseason spending bolster the defense? Their secondary should be 
so much improved adding Jesse Bates, adding Jeffrey Okuda. Like these are big names to add to your secondary. And yeah, Okuda has been disappointing as a first round pick. He's still an upgrade for their CB2 spot across from AJ Terrell. He doesn't have to be a top five pick player for the Falcons. He just has to be a competent CB2. Uh, when you look at strength of schedule, they have the second easiest schedule in the NFL. Their over under win total is at eight and a half. Mark, how do you feel about the Falcons? I have them at seven and 10. I don't feel confident in it. If it wasn't Carolina that I was picking to win this division, it would be Atlanta. I should have known you'd be, you'd, you'd be picking Atlanta here. You're, you're, you still, you were a Ritter guy, I think is fair to say in the draft process. You were, you were probably the highest of me, you and dives on Ritter. Um, so you probably have a little bit more faith than I do. I did not like what I saw last year. Uh, I thought he looked timid. I didn't think his legs made as much of an impact as I would have expected them to, or as much as an impact as I felt like they did at times in college, maybe not even necessarily to run, um, for yards, but for scrambling purposes, I maybe that's partially what Arthur Smith wanted and it's his first couple games in a system he was thrown into in the middle of the year. Um, so maybe that's just something that they didn't want him to do. And uh, maybe it's something he could do more this year, but I, I just wasn't impressed by his athleticism or by his poise in the pocket at, at all last year. Um, I actually think there's a pretty good chance that Taylor Heineke is the best quarterback on this roster. Um, and, and we'll probably, I think we'll see Heineke at, at some point, whether that be due to injury or whether that be due to, uh, being benched for poor play. My whole thing on the Falcons is I like most of the, I didn't, I mean, I, I think we both hated the B. John Robinson decision, um, to draft him at eight overall when there was Jalen Carter on the board. I mean, I think I'd feel a lot better about this team with Jalen Carter instead of B. John Robinson, especially when you consider the fact that they had a thousand yard rusher and Tyler Algier on their roster. Like they would have been fine. The running game would have been good if they would have added like a backup and had Algier leading the backfield again. And you had a stud like Jalen Carter to bookend the defense back there. But anyway, it comes down to Ritter, obviously, but my whole thing with the Falcons is I think Arthur Smith is a really good coach. I think he's an, a, an absolutely top 10 to 15 coach in terms of, like, I think he's that good of a play caller. Maybe top 10 play caller is what I should be saying. I really think he's that good, and I think he's done a lot with very little in Atlanta. But I think he's going to get fired this year if they don't make the playoffs. He's going to get fired this year if their quarterback play isn't good enough. And that's a shame because you look at what he's gotten in his three years in Atlanta and it's the corpse of Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota. And then, and then now if, what was it? Was Ritter a second or a third round pick? He was a third 74th overall. So we're saying your career as the Falcons head coach hinges on whether this third round pick is good or not. Probably like, I think that sucks. I think the Falcons have really done a disservice to Arthur Smith. Um, and I think I like, my prediction is he goes and he's going to be the OC somewhere. Their Falcons go seven and ten. It's disappointing. My Bryce's take reigns supreme, and the Panthers win the division. But they fire Arthur Smith. He goes somewhere to BOC. In like four or five years, people will start being like, "Should we give that Arthur Smith guy a second chance as a head coach?" And someone's going to hire him, and he's going to be awesome. That's my long-term Falcons take. Arthur Smith's going to get hired in five years by the LA chargers. And he's going to be a good coach there. All right. Yeah. I was significantly <laughs> higher on Ritter than you were. I had him at 33 on my big board that year. You had him at 57. So yeah. Yeah. I thought he looked fairly pro ready in college and 
we'll see this this offense does not need that much from a quarterback if you can scramble a little bit great throw the ball downfield let your let your two behemoth guys drake london and kyle pitts let those two unicorns win jump balls and make plays um if ritter's awful Taylor Heineke, you can get competent quarterbacking from. We've seen it in Washington. He's not a guy you want to be your starter, but he's competent. Uh, I do have the Falcons finishing first in the division on the strength of their improved secondary and rushing attack. Uh, I have them over eight and a half wins. Not one I'm running out to bet because I think nine nine wins is probably about right for them and to win this division. And so I wouldn't want to bet over eight and a half on that. But I do have the Falcons winning the division. Uh, edging out the Carolina Panthers. I think I only had one game between them. So I have it close. Yeah. I, I, I had the Panthers at eight and nine for a long time. And I had the, I, I had the Falcons and Saints both at seven and 10 and the Bucks at six and 11. I decided to knock a win off Tampa to bring them down to five and give that win to Carolina to bring them up to nine. All right. That closes the book on the NFC South. Let's bounce over to the NFC West with the team that won their division last year the San Francisco 49ers who last season went 13 and four and then finally lost in a 31 to seven to the Eagles in the NFC title game. This off season, the 49ers lost every shred of dignity that they have <laughs> continuing to whine and cry. Oh wait, this isn't the Eagles show. This is the NFL show. Uh, sorry. Uh, let's back that tape up. We'll rewind here. Be a little less biased. This offseason, the 49ers lost Charles uh, Aminahu, Mike McGlinchey, Samson Ebukum, Ebukum, I've never known how to say his last name, Emmanuel Mosley, and Jimmy Ward. But honestly, the biggest loss was defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. They went out and added Javon Hargrave from the Eagles. They also got Tashawn Gibson and Sam Darnold, which could end up being a big deal. Big questions for this team. Is Brock Purdy ready to go? And then if so, can he recreate the 2022 magic? And along with the quarterback questions, who's QB2? Is it Sam Darnold? Is it Trey Lance? Trey Lance seems to have fallen out of favor. Kyle Shanahan seems to like Sam Darnold. So there's a lot of QB things going on here. And then finally, it's how important was D'Amico Ryans to the success of this defense? He's gone now. We're going to see, obviously, a very talented defense with Nick Bosa, with Fred Warner, with Javon Hargrave now. But we'll see how much D'Amico Ryan's made an impact on the defense uh, as he has gone in Houston now. They have the fifth easiest strength of schedule this season, which is a big thing in their favor. Their over-under win total is at 10.5. Mark, how do you feel about the 49ers this year? 49ers are going to be good. I mean, I think you can just say that any time every year with, with this roster and more importantly with Kyle Shanahan at head coach. My take on the 49ers coordinators, I don't care who they are. They'll be fine. That, that's Jen, that was my take when Salah left. It was my take when McDaniel left. It's my take now that D'Amico Ryans is gone. I'm sure I'm forgetting about coordinators that they've had that have come and gone. Shanahan figures it out. Shanahan knows smart dudes. Shanahan knows how to hire well. Um, and he, he seems to always be surrounded by an excellent staff. So I have no doubts that that'll continue. I just – you can't emphasize enough what an insane feat it was last year – for San Francisco to take the last selection of the draft. Like, I don't think enough has been paid to the fact that that was Mr. Irrelevant. Like, that was literally the last pick of the draft. I don't think he even got invited to the combine, if I remember correctly. Um, it's just, 
And he was a top 10 quarterback when he was playing in there. If you look at the underlying numbers and he didn't have to do much at all, but I think that just shows how good Shanahan is. It shows how good that roster is. It shows that it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback for that team, dot, 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 in the regular season. I think once you get to the postseason, that matters. Once you get to a big game against the Chiefs or Jalen Hurts or something like that, I think that matters. But when it comes to the regular season, you can pencil in the Niners for at least 11 wins. And that's that's like assuming for an injury outbreak that they have every year. And they'll still win 11 games. I mean, we've seen it year after year. What The year that they lost to the NFC champion, they lost in the NFC championship to the Rams. I'm pretty sure like every single player that started for that, like they're all their 22 starters had missed the game due to injury or something crazy like that. Like they were one of the most injured teams. They still got to the NFC championship that year and were a dropped interception from going to the Super Bowl. Um, so the Niners just, they're an automatic contender. All right. So do you have the 49ers winning this division? No, I do not. Games. I have them winning. 12 games and I have them being the top wild card and the third best record in the conference. But I actually have a different team in this division, not only winning the division, but taking home home field advantage in, in the NFC. Um, before I get to that, I will just say, cause I've, I, it's the Arizona Cardinals, isn't it? Yes. You figured it out. Jonathan Gannon, he's back. Um, no, but I, I will just say before we get to that, I wanted to debut this take, and I know Shane's going to dislike it because we talked about it privately in the Discord. The San Francisco 49er thing, they're a bunch of whiners. They're a bunch of babies. Their radio hosts are absolute losers. Um, and shout out to my my ex-podcast co-host, uh, Kyle Pagan, um, from Crossing Broad for, I don't know if you saw him calling in to that show um, that did the whole rant on the Eagles. And he called as Kyle from San Francisco um, and asked them why they didn't comment on the fights, the fight videos that broke out this weekend in San Francisco. And they were going back and forth and it was, it's pretty good. I, I suggest everyone go watch it, but you have um, to tag it, me. I didn't see it. Yeah. I'll by my buddy, Kyle. Um, it's, it's really funny, but taking all that aside, I I'll say, are we starting to be the losers by bringing this up constantly? Like I, I think the, the 49ers fans are the ultimate losers. I'm not debating that, but I almost think Niners fans aren't bringing it up anymore. Like they're not like, Oh, we would have won the super bowl. Like I'm not seeing that. All I'm seeing is any 49ers piece of news. Like it could be like, left tackle late to practice like the nine like every eagles fan quote tweets it like oh this is the team that everyone told me it was gonna be it's like all right guys like eagles eagles fans quote tweet it and they're like oh the 49ers would have won the super bowl if their left tackle was on time to practice yeah yeah it's just everything is getting quote tweeted by like i'm seeing every piece of 49ers news i feel like and i feel like it's because of eagles twitter so like at a certain, like, it's a Mad Men reference that I made it in the chat, I think. But um, in Mad Men, my favorite show of all time, if anyone hasn't watched it, I'd suggest it. But Don Draper, best television character of all time, is in an elevator with another character. And that character says, I really feel bad for you. And Don Draper goes, I don't think about you at all. 
That's how I should. I think that's how we should feel about the 49ers fans. Let them be the ones to whine and complain. Let them be the ones to make themselves look like idiots. We don't have to constantly bring it up. That's that's my that's my take on it. All right. So there you have it, Eagles fans. Maybe it's time to let bygones be bygones until we match up in the regular. Yeah. Season, yeah. So. Um, I do have the 49ers over 10 and a half. I've got. Well, let me refer. I've got them first in the division. I'm not betting them over 10 and a half, though, because I see a lot of ways this season could go sideways with all the residual things from the offseason. I could see you getting off to a slow start and the mental fortitude of this team coming into question it leading to a collapse. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan's going to let that happen, but I do think there's a path where this 49ers team, I mean, they needed Christian McCaffrey last year to become the offense that they became. I could see a Christian McCaffrey injury derailing the offense. Debo Samuel had a bad year last year. You know, you need him to bounce back. So there's a lot of things. A lot, there's too many quarterback things up in the air. And I know we've said time and time again that doesn't matter for Kyle Shanahan. But I can't help but think eventually that voodoo will run out. And so I've got him first in the division. I'm not betting him over 10 and a half, but I, I do have him over 10 and a half wins. So, okay, let's go to the team that finished second last year in the division. Uh, it is the Seattle Seahawks who went nine and eight. They lost to the 49ers 41 to 23 in the wild card round as the 49ers completed the season sweep, beating him for the third time in the off season. They lost defensive lineman Puna Ford and linebacker Cody Barton. They went out and added Bobby Wagner who spent one year away from Seattle before coming back. They got Dremont Jones, Julian Love, and Devin Bush. Then through the draft, they added Devon Witherspoon, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Derek Hall, and Zach Charbonnet. The big questions for the Seahawks is, can Geno Smith keep it up? He had a breakout season in 2022. I think it was the first full season he'd played since like 2013, or maybe it was 2016. It's crazy. Crazy story. His EPA splits are crazy. Week one through nine, his numbers would rank ninth in the league in EPA for the season as a whole. But weeks 10 through 18, his numbers rank 30th. So there was a sharp drop off. Now, the Seattle defense was a big problem last year. And so the question is, how will they perform this year? Tariq Woolen had a breakout year as a rookie. Uh, I expanded my top player rankings list from 10 to 12 because I just couldn't justify leaving Tariq Woolen, and I can't remember who the other person was. I couldn't get inside my top 10 now. Uh, and you said Tariq Woolen should be in the top five. I had him at 12. So can he keep that up over a second year? Uh, he's joined by first-round pick Devon Witherspoon. Jamal Adams has missed 20 games in the last three years, and he's recovering from a torn quad. But can they get him healthy? How good could this secondary be? Their strength of schedule is the 10th easiest in the NFL. They're over under is set at eight and a half. Mark, I'm assuming this is the team you're alluding to. You have winning the division. Talk to me about the Seahawks. Yeah, I know. I am all in on Seattle. Um, I have them as the Eagles' toughest opponent in the NFC, the Eagles' toughest competition to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, I just look at the Seattle team, and I see a team that was really young last year and growing into being the – I think people don't look at them as young because they go, oh, Gino's not young. Oh, Pete Carroll's not young. Uh, DK Metcalf and Lockett have been there. I mean, DK's not old, but DK and Lockett have been there a while. 
they have so much youth on that defense and on that offensive line, especially. I mean, last year they went out and they drafted two bookend tackles in in the draft. Um, I, that's pretty rare. I, I just think that this team has a good mix of youth. They brought in a lot of pieces this offseason. I loved what they did in the draft. Devin Witherspoon adding him to that secondary with Woolen. Um, obviously, you have Jackson Smith and Jigwa, who is obviously injured now. He's going to miss a couple weeks, maybe the first week or two of the season um, with an, a wrist injury that he had. But he looked unreal um, in the in the little the little glimpse we got of him, he scored a touchdown in the preseason. Um, that's an unreal one, two, three with DK Lockett and JSN. Uh, I just think whatever concerns you have about Geno Smith and whether or not he can keep it up or repeat what he did last year to me are irrelevant because you added the best receiver in the draft and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And you remember how high I was on Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's going to be an immediate difference maker. And I think it's going to be a conversation by the end there here. How about this for a hot take? It's going to be a conversation by the end of this year, whether or not Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best receiver on that roster over Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, in my opinion. I think that's how good, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's how good JSN is going to be right away. Um, and not to mention, I also love them getting Zach Charbonnet. Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, if you have both of them healthy, that is a deadly duo in the backfield. And the other one's good insurance for the other. It's good to have Walker if Charbonnet goes down and vice versa. So um, I feel really good about this team. The concerns, if you were going to point out concerns, where could this team go wrong? It's the trenches. It's really interior D-line and it's interior O-line. Um, there was a lot of buzz that they were in on Jalen Carter. I remember it was a big thing. Their GM gave an interview like a month before the draft saying everything with our team, everything with our defense revolves around the interior defensive line. I guarantee we'll go out and we'll fill that. We'll do all this. And everyone just kind of assumed. I, I don't know if you remember this. There was definitely a time there during the draft process where we kind of assumed he was going to Seattle, Jalen mm -hmm. Carter. And that didn't happen. They ended up going with Witherspoon. I wonder what happened there. But um, that's definitely their weak spots. It's interior O-line and interior D-line. But you have to hope that the rest of the front seven is so strong. And you have to hope that the rest of, you know, the offensive tackles are so good that they can kind of mask some of that. Yeah. I have them going over eight and a half as well. That is one I feel comfortable uh, betting, but I do have them finishing second in the division. So it's my favorite win total of the season this year. I have them at 13 and four. So I have them well over eight and a half. Uh, I have them tied with the Eagles for the best record in the NFL. Um, but I have the, I had Seattle beating Philadelphia because they play us in Seattle and we're legally not allowed to win against the Seattle Seahawks. So um, that's, that's why I came up with that. Yeah, uh, it is probably, it's not my favorite. We haven't yet talked about my favorite win total, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, okay. Moving on to the team that finished in third place last year. It is the Los Angeles Rams who went five and 12 last season. This off season, they lost Taylor Rapp and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they added Akila Weatherspoon and Steve Avila. Uh, Avila, of course, through the draft. The big questions for me is, can Matthew Stafford recapture 2022? In 2022, he revived his career. They won the Super Bowl. Uh, but 
it looks like a blip on the radar now. As last season, he was three and six in starts, and then he missed the end of the year with a spine injury. And along that lines, can can the veteran superstar trio of Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, and of course Sean McVay hold that team together with all the rookies? They currently have fourteen rookies on their roster, and it it's going to be about what they can get out of those rookies this year, and if they can keep those vets healthy. They have a straight average strength of schedule, 15th easiest in the NFL. Their over-under win total is at six and a half. Mark, how do you feel about the Rams? Not good. I think they're the second worst team in the NFL. Um, the the only thing that, you know, I guess that's the glass half empty. You're the second worst team in the NFL. Glass half full, you're the second worst team in your division. So it's not all bad. Um, but you just read the defense besides Aaron Donald. Do you think that there, what percentage of NFL fans could name another player on this defense? Uh, oh man, very non Rams fans, almost nobody. I can name about four. Yeah, and I, know. I don't like, yeah. So I know they have, uh, John Johnson still. I know they got they acquired Akilo Weatherspoon. I know that they drafted Byron Young. John Johnson is not listed as a starter for them. Oh, he's not. Okay. I don't I have no idea why. Uh Kobe Turner. I don't know if he's gonna yep. be a starter though. He but is. that's just he rookies is. from draft work. Yeah. And I think that's probably all I can name off the top of my head. Guess what, Shane? They have a third Byron Young who also went to Tennessee. He's a linebacker. Not the two Byron Youngs who we got confused with. They have a third Byron Young. He's starting a linebacker. So that tells you where the the Rams are at. Kobe Turner, Bobby Brown. No, not that Bobby Brown, but Bobby Brown the third playing nose tackle. Then you got Aaron Donald, little guy. I don't know if anyone's ever really heard about that guy. But Byron Young, Ernest Jones, Christian Roseboom, Michael Hoked, Robert Rochelle, Jordan Fuller, uh, Russ Yeast, Kobe Durant. I mean, Darian Kendrick's a name I've heard. He's not listed as a starter. Same with John Johnson. Travis Hodges Tomlinson might be a slot corner. He was a guy we liked. He ended up going in the seventh round, though, I think. So it's like this defense has a chance to be the worst defense in football. And you have Aaron Donald. Like, how is that? That, that shouldn't be possible. Like, that's how bad the rest of this defense is. Um, yeah, I mean, this team's going to be terrible. Their offensive line's a joke. Uh, at least you have Cooper Cup. Um, obviously, he's a, an elite, elite receiver. Tyler Higby actually had low-key a very good year last year. If you look at Tyler Higby's numbers, I don't think anyone realized it, but he was pretty good. Um, and, yeah, it's, it, them being a two- or a three-win disaster or them being a six-win bad team just a regular normal bad team will come down to Stafford and will come down to if Stafford's totally cooked and if Stafford can stay healthy but if Stafford returns to form and Stafford is the best version of Stafford we've ever seen how many games does this team win like seven or eight maybe I think it's six I really think it's that low like I he was on worse lion or he was on better lions teams as a younger, probably better player than what we'll see at this point of Matt Stafford's career. 
and they were winning less than seven all the time. Like, I, I think that this Rams team, I don't think people realize how bad they are. And I know they have Sean McVay. I know Stafford will be back. I know Cup and Donald are good. Outside of those three players, and Higby maybe, they are just the worst team, and it's not even close in the NFL. Yeah. It is nice for them that they get two games against the Arizona Cardinals, though. They won't win both. How about that? I think Arizona wins one. I think they split it. All right. Well, that brings us – oh, by the way, I have them third in the division under six and a half wins as well. So also one, us... of my, also one of my favorite win totals, that under six and a half. I absolutely love it. All right. Well, that brings us to the last place team in this division a year ago. It's the Arizona Cardinals who went four and 13, fired Cliffs Kingsbury, fired, who bought a one-way ticket to – where was it? New Zealand, something? I forget. I forget. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this offseason they lost uh, Zach Allen, Byron Murphy Jr., Justin Pugh, and DeAndre Hopkins. They added Kelvin Beecham, Will Hernandez, and Kazir White. Through the draft, they added Paris Johnson Jr. and B.J. Ojolari. The big question for me about the Cardinals is will they have the top two picks in the draft next year? They are plus 225 to have the number one pick, which is a 22% implied odds. They have the highest odds. Uh, The Texans are third in odds, and they own the Texans pick at plus 900, which is 7% implied odds. Mark, can you imagine a situation where they land the top two picks in the draft? They draft Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison. They trade Kyler Murray. What does Kyler Murray get in in a trade next offseason? That's such a complicated conversation. Uh, like it's it's, it's got to be a second, right? You'd think at least someone would just do it to take the chance on him. I guess where is he at contractually? Would, he just would they signed the tri- deal, didn't he? Yeah, that's a pretty tough here, I'll, deal. I'll pull the numbers. I'll pull the numbers here in just a second. But uh, oh, I got to type in contract after his name. The, Google it. The, the funny thing while mentioning the contract, while you get it up is that whole clause in the contract and all that, all the buzz around him is absolutely going to hurt um, if they do end up trying to trade him, um, which is something they should have thought about before kind of throwing that clause in there and starting that whole conversation and making it louder than it already was. Um, but yeah, it seems like the buzz around Kyler Murray from an interpersonal standpoint and from a non-football standpoint is pretty negative. Um so I have no idea what his value would be, but in my opinion, if he's healthy and he shows that he can come back from that somewhat this year, then I think you should absolutely trade a first round pick from him if you're a certain team. So minimum second round pick, maybe a first round pick. Can you imagine them getting Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison and trading Kyler for a first round pick, which by the way, Kyler's contract, if he was traded, uh, he would be a cap hit of $37 million in 2024, $18 million in 2025, $22 million in 2026, and $19 million in 2027, uh, and then $34 million in 2028. So very reasonable numbers for a team acquiring him if you thought he was a franchise guy, which you obviously would if you gave up a first-round pick. But um, So the exciting things for the Cardinals revolve around being the worst team in football, Getting a new head coach off season next off season because Jonathan <laughs> is probably going to totally flop. Um, that's what you have to look forward to. If you're a Cardinals fan, you should be rooting against your football team this year. They have the 22nd easiest strength of schedule, so above average difficulty. Their over under win total is four and a half. 
This is my favorite over-under win total <laughs> in the entire NFL right now. Smash the under. This Cardinals team is not going to win two football games this season, much less five. And Mark's spinning here. Your screen's black and there's a little spinning wheel, so I'm not sure if you can hear me, but he cannot. So we'll get Mark's take on them if they if he hops back in here. Uh, might be having a little bit of technical difficulties there, but uh, there you have it. That is my thought on the Cardinals for this season. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the worst. Well, not one of, I think they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. I think they're going to end up with the number one overall pick. Although I do think the Texans are going to be good enough that they won't end up having one of the worst records in the NFL. Mark is back with us now. Uh, Mark, I was just about to start the outro stuff because I thought I might've lost you. <laughs> That's classic right there. The, the laptop died so fast. That was an unbelievable, an unbelievable turn of events there for me. I was about to, I had a whole joke ready about Arizona. By the way, I did confirm Cliff Kingsbury. It was Thailand, Thailand. that he got a, he got a one-way ticket to my take. I have a conspiracy take on Cliff Kingsbury and him not wanting to take any jobs. So here's my take. Cliff Kingsbury knows he's an idiot. Like we all know Cliff Kingsbury is an idiot. He knows it. He knows he's a fraud. He knows he's a bimbo, but he knew he must, he heard through the grapevine. He, he heard a rumor. He was like, they're hiring Jonathan Gannon to replace me. He's like, I'll take a year off. Jonathan Gannon's not winning more than two games. And people are going to start talking about how I was actually, you know, holding this house of cards together. So Cliff Kingsbury's his stock's going to be on the rise next year. When Jonathan Gannon poops his pants so hard that people are like, wow, Cliff Kingsbury didn't poop his pants that hard. He must not be a total idiot. So what I'm getting from, I'm still stuck on your laptop dying. So what you're telling me is you were as prepared for this podcast as Jonathan Gannon was for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I thought it was plugged in. I'm looking at the wall, uh, the the laptop, the charger is plugged into the laptop. Uh, the, the problem is... It's not in the plug in the wall, and that's generally what uh, makes the power go from the outlet to the laptop. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Explosives. Oh, man. So I'm taking it you're on the under here, too, under four and a half. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am starting to think, like, what if Kyler comes back faster than I'm giving credit for, I guess? Like, is Kyler... I guess it's the same question as I asked with Stafford. If Stafford plays the best version of his football, I still think their their ceiling is six wins. If Kyler plays his ceiling of football for like twelve games, what are we uh, what are we saying they can be in that twelve games? I don't know. It's losing DeAndre Hopkins is huge. Yeah, like that's huge. Um, and I don't. I think Cliff Kingsbury is a buffoon, but he's got to be a better offensive coach than John yeah. Gannon is, right? So I, I, I still am pretty low on on even if he comes back and plays. I, I think he, they're just such a bad football team. But I ultimately think what the most likely scenario is that happens is that they start like zero and eight, and we're at a point where it's like, should we even bring Kyler back? Is it even worth it? I, I think we'll be having that conversation. Yeah, you have people looking at looking sideways at Caleb Williams on Sundays and being like, you know, 
And that creates an awkward situation if they tell Kyler not to come back, but they have the first pick and then they end up taking Caleb and trading Kyler. And I think they're friends, Caleb and Kyler. Like it's just a whole, it, it would be a really weird, a really weird situation for Arizona to be in. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what happens with Kyler. He's one of the big X factors of, of the, of kind of the, this year from an NFL's perspective, from a fantasy perspective. I mean, he's not getting drafted in fantasy leagues. And if he comes back in week four or week five, even if Arizona's bad, he's probably going to put up some pretty huge fantasy numbers. Like, so I, I just, it feel like there's, it feels like there's been very little reports on what his timetable is. So it makes it hard to fully understand what Arizona is going to be. I think they have like a five win ceiling if he plays well, to be quite honest. Yeah. So that, that is the big question. Uh, and we'll see what happens with that. So that's about going to wrap us up here for our NFC South and NFC West preview. Like I said earlier, we'll be back to preview the NFC North and NFC East next week. But Mark, before we get out of here, uh, do you have any final thoughts, any takes you need to fire off? No, I see my, uh, I guess I'll just stay. Uh, if I, I, I feel like I've heard segments on shows this week, like who's your Super Bowl sleeper? And, and, you know, if someone comes out of nowhere, who will it be? I don't know if these guys are sleepers or if they're coming out of nowhere. They both made the playoffs last year, but I've had it on record. I think it's going to be Eagles and Chiefs again this year. But if I were to take one team from the NFC that weren't the Chiefs and one team from the AFC or one team from the NFC that weren't the Eagles and one team from the AFC that weren't the Chiefs, it would be the Seahawks, as we discussed there. I think they're going to go 13 and four. I think they've got one of the best home field advantages in football. And I think it'll be Jacksonville. So take a look at the Seattle and Jacksonville Super Bowl odds if you're looking for some long shots. All right. Personally, if I was going to take an NFC team that wasn't the Chiefs, it'd probably be the Eagles. <laughs> That's a good call. That's a good call. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for episode number 119 of Chalk Talk. If you enjoy what you heard on the show, and we know that you do. Be sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode. Drop us a five-star rating wherever you stream your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, Threads, and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. We will catch you guys next time.